0: talking about the fourth commandment. It reads, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Sabbath, it's a good thing. Exodus reminds us that even God rested. Deuteronomy tells us that our rest from our activities in the world connects us to a God who delivered us out of slavery. Methodist doctrine even instructs us that the Lord's day should not be profaned by ordinary work and that rest is, is necessary for both body and and soul. The fourth commandment is a commandment about Sabbath. It's a commandment about rest. It's a commandment about the worship and praise of God. The fourth commandment commands us to remember and yet the fourth commandment is Well, it's the commandment we have the the easiest time forgetting. I mean, who among us right now takes a full 24 hours of Sabbath every week? Don't be shy. Go ahead and comment in the feed right now if that is something you do as a practice. Did Did you post? Well... Don't feel bad, because you'll notice I I didn't raise my hand or or post either. And yet, I've always been perplexed by this. Why is it that the fourth commandment is relegated to the nice-to-have-but-not-necessary-to-do category of the Bible? I mean, when we look at the, the other ten commandments, we can we can pretty easily get behind them, right? I mean, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. I mean, ostensibly, we can back these, right? I mean, we might struggle with not taking the Lord's name in vain, but it's not like we don't bother trying at all. And yet, when it comes to Sabbath, we are really really good at not even thinking about it. The fourth commandment might very well be the easiest commandment to break without feeling guilty. And I've always I've always wondered why why that is. Well, I think that the story of Elijah that we find in in first kings chapter 19 verses 1 through 15 might tell us why you see elijah is a prophet and and god gives him some pretty heavy messages to deliver in fact they are so heavy that they cause jezebel to threaten him with certain death this this makes Elijah scared. I mean, he panics, and, and after he panics, he runs, and, and he runs far into the wilderness, and, and he keeps on running uh, until he just can't run anymore. He finds this old broom tree with its, its dense extended branches creating this really shady spot. And and Elijah basically collapses underneath it. He's exhausted. He's thirsty. He's, He's hungry. And taking stock of the situation that he is in, he realizes just how desperate it actually is. And he asks God to kill him exhausted Elijah falls asleep and then something really amazing happens the way it usually happens in in the Old Testament an angel wakes him up and and gives him food to eat and and something to drink Elijah's still exhausted though and he falls back asleep sometime later The angel wakes him up again and and tells him to eat and and drink And, and this fortification renews his energy and his strength and then it becomes a super viral meme that is shared all over Facebook. This is your gentle reminder, the meme says, that one time in the Bible, Elijah was like, God, I'm so mad. I want to die. So God said, here's some food. Why don't you have a nap? So Elijah slept, ate, and decided that things weren't so bad. The meme concludes, never underestimate the spiritual power of a nap and a snack. It's a it's a sweet interpretation of the story. It really is. But I think we lose something really important if we think that a nap and a snack is is all that that Sabbath is. Rest is rest is important. I, I don't want you to get me wrong, but there's something else happening in, in this particular story of Elijah that that really asks for that, that begs for our attention. You see, in chapter 17, verse 3, God tells Elijah to go, and he goes. In chapter 17, verse 9, God tells Elijah to go, so he goes again. In chapter 18, verse 1, God tells Elijah to go, and he goes. But then he starts to riff on the word of God. He he gets he gets ostentatious, he, he, he gets a little over the top, he, he improvises. He orchestrates this really grand show saying that he alone is the only prophet of Yahweh left and then, and then he kills 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah and when Jezebel hears what he did to her prophets, she threatens him with a similar death and that's what causes him to panic and 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 to run. But Elijah wasn't just running in the wilderness though. He had a plan. He was making his way to Mount Horeb. Do you remember your biblical mountains well? (laughs) There's a lot of them. But Mount Horeb is where Moses meets God. I mean, it's the setting really for our entire sermon series right now because it's the spot where God gives Moses the the Ten Commandments and Elijah is running there. It takes him 40 days like it took Moses 40 years and and when he gets to the place where he's supposed to meet god he experiences the the rush of wind the, the violent shaking of an earthquake the the heat of a fire and then he experiences silence and in that silence the quiet voice of god asks What are you doing here, Elijah? You see, this isn't where God intended Elijah to be. It is, however, exactly where Elijah intended to be. It's where he figured God would meet him. The the sole prophet who had been so zealous for God. Zealous. Do you know who else is zealous in the Bible? God. Zealousness is a God-like quality. And and this isn't the first time Elijah implies his God-likeness. In chapter 17, verse 1, Elijah tells the people that there won't be rain in the land except by his word. In chapters 18 and 19, he acts independently of God. And in chapter 19, he ignores God. Did you hear that in our scripture today? You see, Elijah makes it to Mount Horeb. And in verse 11, God tells Elijah to go stand on the mountain. And Elijah only goes to the mouth of the cave. God gives Elijah a direct command, and Elijah ignores it. You see, Elijah fancies himself a a modern-day Moses and and certainly sees himself as a a unique and and special prophet who's completely set apart and, and set apart alone from anyone else. Despite the hundred prophets that Obadiah saved or or even Obadiah himself in the story. Elijah sees himself as the only one in in his story. You see, no one loves God the way he loves God. No one understands God the way he understands God. No one is like God the way he is like God, except for maybe Moses. And so he is expecting to meet God the way Moses met God. And and Elijah thinks he's going to get this this amazing revelation. After all, on on Mount Horeb, Moses received the Ten Commandments. So what special message then is this most special messenger going to be entrusted with this time? Well, the wind comes and goes, and God, God is not there. The earthquake comes and and goes, and God is not there. The fire comes and, and goes, and God, God isn't there either. God, though, is in the silence, in the still, small voice, That Elijah has to strain to hear. And for the second time, God asks, What are you doing here, Elijah? This is the second time that God asks Elijah to realign himself with God, with God's priorities, with with God's plan. But for the second time, Elijah just rattles off how special he is and and how he needs a special favor from God. And so God, God chooses another prophet. You see, this story is about a lot more than a nap, and the snack it's about how we align ourselves with God I mean that's the purpose of Sabbath yes yes it's rest for the body yes it's it's rest for the soul but it's also the time where we align ourselves to God both by imitating God resting as, as God rested but also by connecting ourselves to the God who delivered us out of slavery. But that's not what Elijah does. Elijah gets into all sorts of trouble because he stops connecting with God's will and starts connecting with his own. As you read chapter 17, 18, and 19 in in 1 Kings, you might notice that God's voice is heard less and less, and and Elijah's voice is heard more and more. Elijah sees himself as someone who is as important as Moses. He, He even sees himself as someone who is as important as God. And so even the the God-given rejuvenation that, that comes from a nap and, and a snack, it only fortifies him for what he sees as his purpose and not for God's purpose. I mean, did you notice that after the angel feeds Elijah twice, Elijah offers no thanksgiving There is no prayer here of, of, do with me what you will, God. Instead, he continues on his own way and in his own way. Uh, Like Elijah, we're notoriously bad at aligning ourselves with, with God's purpose for our lives. It's pretty easy to live with to quote the Apostle Paul, a a puffed-up sense of of our own worth. It's pretty easy for us to feel like our work lives and our our family lives and our friend lives, they just won't happen without us. It's really easy for us to get so caught up in, in who we are that we forget that we were made for more than just our work like the the stars in the sky. We were made to worship the one who created us. If our Sabbath is only about a nap and a snack, it's, it's not Sabbath. Our Sabbath has to connect us to God so that we can hear God's voice over our own. Now, <laughs> this theory of Sabbath is, is all well and good, friends, but, but what good is theory if we, if we don't make it practical, right? And so today we're, we're going to do something a little bit different. Together, we're going to take the first step toward making space for Sabbath in, in our own lives. Look, I know that 24 hours of Sabbath rest in our lives can feel, I mean, daunting to put it mildly, especially if we've spent most of our lives not really engaging in any practice of, of Sabbath. So instead of me just sitting here and, and telling you how important it is to, to do this thing that I'm, that I'm also bad at, I'm gonna walk you through how I think about Sabbath. Now, when I feel overwhelmed by something, my mom's favorite thing to say to me is, well, you can eat an entire elephant one bite at a time, and, and she's right. And, and it's actually the same, the same with Sabbath. What you're looking at right now is a week laid out day by day with each day broken up into two hour increments. Now, I started this calendar at 8 a.m. and I ended it at 10 p.m. You see, sleep is necessary and and you're probably not getting enough of it. But sleep is, it's not Sabbath. 8 a.m. for me seems like a reasonable time to to start the day. But if you're like Keegan or maybe Melissa Russell, you might want to start your day earlier. Maybe you want to start your day Later, because 8 a.m. sounds awful to you. You can adjust your times to make sense in in your own life. Don't don't get too hung up on what I have here. You make your calendar yours. But I want you to look over your week and find a few two-hour blocks that you can start with. When can you take time to, to rest in God? Now, here's a great hint. Worship, generally when we're in person, is about an hour. What happens if you take the hour before church or the hour after church too? Sunday is a good day for this. Now, as you're thinking through your schedule and and how you can carve out a a two-hour block of time for Sabbath, I, I encourage you to remember that Sabbath is not just a snack and a nap. I mean, it can be a snack and a nap, but if that snack and a nap don't point you to God, then it's really just a snack and a nap. A friend of mine has started a habit of going and hiking in the mountains every single Saturday. That's her Sabbath, every Saturday. Even in the winter, she finds rest for her soul in creation, where God also rested. For me, reading is one of the ways my soul finds rest and renewal. So every Saturday when Keegan has his music lesson, I sit in the Panera across the street and read a book that helps me orient myself to God's voice. Right now, because of the series that we're in, I'm reading the De- the Ten Commandments by David Hazzoni. Now, maybe for you, your Sabbath isn't hiking or reading. I know someone who spends hours lovingly making soup. And she then takes that soup to, to homeless shelters and, and soup kitchens around her. She's she's become known as the, the soup lady. She says that when she slows down to stir a soup, she can hear God more clearly. Your Sabbath should leave you feeling renewed by the God who, who restores and more connected to the God who who restores you. Can you find four two-hour blocks over the course of your week? What about two two two-hour blocks? I mean, is your schedule so tight right now that all you can find is one two-hour block? That's okay. Wiggle it in. Start with just one bite. Get good at the one, two-hour block. It, It really is okay to start small. The goal, though, is really just to start, to make a serious effort to take this commandment seriously. Can we, together, as a church community, covenant today to take this commandment seriously? Exodus reminds us that even God rested and Deuteronomy tells us that our rest from our activities in the world connects us to God who delivered us from being not just Pharaoh's slaves but slaves to all of the things that keep us from hearing God's call including our own egos. Now at the end of our scripture God tells Elijah that he's to anoint a new prophet but that's not the end of of Elijah's story. Remember our God is is a god of redemption, of second chances, of of grace and and of mercy. Elijah having listened to God, ascends to heaven in a golden chariot, still beloved by God. You don't have to have ever done Sabbath well. You you may even stumble as you you figure out how to make Sabbath a a commandment that you, you take seriously. But friend, like Elijah, even as you stumble, you are still beloved by, by a God who redeems you and, and who will restore you, just as God redeemed and, and restored Elijah. And for that, truly, thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? God of Sabbath rest, we we come to you and we confess that we have not taken this commandment seriously, that we have put it in the category of nice to have, but not really necessary to do. And by doing that, we have lost sight of you and have struggled to hear your call and have replaced your will with our own will. God, today as as we covenant together as a community, as, as your church, help us become the people that you have called us to be. Help us to find the ways in which we can be like you, resting also. And guide us as we find the ways in which you have made us responsive to your call so that we, like the stars in the sky, know that we were made to worship you. Pour out your Holy Spirit on all of those gathered here who desperately want to hear your voice and know your will, but stumble, panic, run into the wilderness according to our own plans. God, remind us of your plan. Remind us of the grace and mercy that you showed Elijah and that became like us and walked among us in the person of Jesus Christ. Help us to be the people that you have called us to be so that others might know who you are by the things we do. As we pray those words that Jesus taught us to pray that say our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. My kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us.